Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Well, good afternoon to you and yours. I hope you're having a splendid Tuesday, December 20th, the year 2022. Five days away, just a couple of days away from um, an Arctic blast. And I'm told that there is the possibility of a little wintry mix. So we shall see. We shall see. Lots to talk about today. It's the eve of National Signing Day. It's uh, just a couple of days away from the Cajuns and the Cougars in Shreveport, where it's going to be flat out cold. Um, And the Saints are heading into a winter wonderland themselves. All these stories and more as my main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios, spinning the tunes, pushing all the right buttons. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area and you want to see a face to the voice, Well, you can because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. You can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. But the Pelicans couldn't contain the Greek freak. As Giannis Antetokounmpo, the two-time MVP, showed why he is arguably the NBA's most dominant player last night in the Smoothie King Center. He scored 42 points. The Pelicans kept pace and kept the game close, but in the end, Giannis and the Bucks were too good, posting a 128-119 win. It was the Pelicans' fourth straight defeat. And now, if you look at the NBA standings, the Memphis Grizzlies are atop the Western Conference at 19-10, and 10, one game ahead of the Denver Nuggets and the Phoenix Suns, a game and a half ahead of the New Orleans Pelicans. So still in the mix, but uh, four straight losses. The Pels have to uh, figure it out, and Zion Williamson has to figure it out as well as the Bucks devoted manpower, walling off Zion Williamson at the rim. They encouraged the Pelicans to shoot, and center Giannis Valanciunas took uh, took advantage of that offer, knocking down six three-pointers in the first half. He scored 28 of his season-high 37 points in the first half. But Zion, he's got to figure out a jump shot, or everybody's just going to pack it in tight and make others beat them. Zion had a season-low 18 points on the night. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo made 12 of 17 field goals. He gets to the rim unlike any other. 
The difference is he'll take it coast to coast, and he just goes. And if he doesn't make it, well, he's going to get fouled. Went to the free throw line 22 times. 22 times. He is a – he's just a great, great player. Um, a great player. Brooke Lopez was dominant as well. He connected on four three-pointers in route to 30 points. The trail, Pels trailed by as many as 15 in the second half, but they fought back, fought back, fought back, got it to within three, but just could not get over the hump. C.J. McCollum finished with 31 points to lead the Pels uh, after Valanchunas' 37. So, great crowd. Um, he's just too good. You cannot stop him. You cannot stop him. You just can't. Well, um, the New Orleans Saints, the forecast for their game Saturday at Cleveland is bleak to say the very best. Add in two very mediocre offenses, and you've got the recipe for the lowest projected score in an NFL game in nearly 15 years. The weather Saturday afternoon in Cleveland expected to include temperatures peaking peaking at just 15 degrees, a 50% chance of snow, and here's the kicker, sustained winds over 30 miles an hour. Accordingly, the game's over-under total has dropped from an opening line of 35 all the way down to 31 and a half. 31 and a half. Um, if it closes there, it would be the lowest total in the NFL, not just this season, but in years going all the way back to December 21st, 2008, when the Browns hosted the Bengals, who won the game 14-zip. Wow. Wow. So they you bet the under, and you are good to go on that one. Snow. Uh, snow isn't considered a major factor considering points, but the wind, oh, ah, that's brutal. So, so we shall see what the New Orleans Saints can do. Only time will tell. Weather, certainly a factor. In just one day, college football's sixth annual 72-hour early signing period gets underway. LSU currently has 26 commitments, 25 from high school, and one transfer and the nation's fifth-ranked recruiting class per 247 Sports Composite Team rankings. We shall see. Um, you've got a five-star homegrown offensive tackle, Zylance Heard of Neville, and a total of five players who rank in the top ten nationally at their positions. There's also the possibility of adding elite safety Isaac Smith, who visited last weekend which would give LSU a sixth top 10 player. So we will talk with Mike Scarborough of TigerBait.com here in just a minute to see if he could get um, uh, give us the inside skinny. Things could get better for LSU on Thursday since that's when priority target Desmond Ricks, the cornerback from IMG who visited LSU this past weekend, will be announcing his school of choice at around 4.30 p.m. Central Time. We'll see. LSU, Alabama, Florida, they're all kind of in the mix. 
So we shall see. We shall see. But LSU should be in pretty good shape for for that one. Um, good news for LSU baseball. Never too early to talk about LSU baseball because the current LSU contingent is ranked number one in the 2023 collegiate baseball newspaper preseason poll that was released today, marking the 11th time in 12 seasons LSU will begin the year among the top 10 teams in the nation. The top ranking represents LSU's first appearance at number one in a preseason poll since 2019. They've got uh, LSU returned six position players. It started in a significant number of the of the Tigers' 62 games last season, including junior center field Dylan Cruz, a 2023 preseason All-American, the 2022 SEC Co-Player of the Year, and a consensus first-team All-American last season. So they're loaded, and again, it comes down to do you have the pitching? But so far... Really, really good news on the LSU front. Yes, indeed. There is um, word coming out of the NBA that uh, Matt Ishbia finalizing a purchase of the Phoenix Suns and the WNBA's Mercury for $4 billion. The deal would end the tumultuous tenure of Robert Sarver. So what does a guy do to be able to fork out $4 million, $4 billion. Well, he's a mortgage lender, right? He's a mortgage lender, the founding partner in Shore Capital. Uh, His brother will serve as alternate governor, Justin Ishbia. Yes. So there you go. Um, He's the president and CEO of United Wholesale Mortgage, a Michigan-based company, has been pursuing NBA and NFL teams in recent years, finally landed the deal to own the Suns. He was a walk-on for Michigan State and part of the Spartans' 2000 National Championship team. He's remained close to Hall of Fame coach Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo is thankful because Ishbia made a $32 million donation to the basketball program. LSU needs a guy like that. UL needs a guy like that for their NIL deals. So that would be that would be sweet. So looks like we have a new owner of the Phoenix Suns in the NBA, which is uh, none too none too uh, soon, if you ask me. With all the things going on with um, with them, so um, the Green Bay Packers were winners last night over the. L.A. Rams, it was not a thing of beauty, but believe it or not, the Packers are still in the mix. They got to they got to win out and get a couple of things to go their way. They're not going to it's not going to happen, but they're still theoretically in the mix. If you are a Masters golf lover and who isn't Augusta National announced today that any golfer who qualified for the Masters tournament based on its previous criteria will be invited to play in 2023, including 16 players who are currently competing in the Live Golf League. Names such as Bubba Watson, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia, 
Patrick Reed and Charles Swartzel, to name a few. So the Masters looks like it's going to have a complete field. The first major of the season scheduled to be played April 6th through the 9th in Augusta, Georgia, of course. Um, yes. Australia's Cameron Smith, the number three ranked player in the world, is in the world is qualified because he won the 2022 Open Championship and the players. Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka were invited because they've won the U.S. Open or the PGA Championship in the last five years. There you go. All right. Um, if you're an NBA fan, you, you need to know that DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NBA this holiday season. Right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving Louisiana NBA fans a special gift. For a limited time, you can get a no-sweat bet on every New Orleans Pelicans game this December. Check it out. This month, everyone can earn a no-sweat bet with DraftKings Sportsbook. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in under the Promos tab, and place an eligible bet of your choice on a New Orleans game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get your money back in a free bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers can sign up with promo code 1037GAME and get a no-sweat bet on every New Orleans Pelicans game this December. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and opt in today to receive this limited-time offer. It's only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana, select parishes only, max reward limits apply, one free bet issued based on amount of initial losing bet. Eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball. Terms, licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles. Bad gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. One day before National Signing Day, we'll get the latest intel from Mike Scarborough of TigerBait.com when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Helpful holiday tip number one. Remember to actually leave milk and cookies for Santa and not some hipster healthy option. The big fella is holly and jolly for a reason. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 19 minutes after the hour, we're on the eve of the three-day early National Signing Day. Um, 72 hours to try and come up with the talent to compete with the Georges, the Alabamas of the world. Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com, is in tune as well as anyone, if not more so than anyone, about the current status of LSU football, its commitments, and what should go down tomorrow. And Mike is kind enough to join us uh, where he's he's probably got two one phone in one ear, another phone in another ear, and he's looking at, uh, everywhere. But Mike, uh, Merry Christmas, my friend, and thank you for the time, man. How you doing? All good, man. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm I had to plug in a, a phone, an extra phone, and uh, my mouse went dead, so that's charging up. So yeah, it's it's getting crazy. <laughs> twenty six commitments currently, twenty five from high school, one transfer. Um, how solid do you think those twenty six commitments are? Well, I know a lot of people, including myself earlier today, were, was still maybe thinking that uh, Dalen Austin, the cornerback 
uh, out in California could waver after flirting with uh, Oregon a bit and, and USC, but I'm kind of getting that LSU feels pretty confident about uh, him actually signing with, uh, with the Tigers tomorrow and him sticking. So um, it, it's uh, – I, I think uh, Brian Kelly and his staff have really done a good job where you're not really – holding your breath on a lot of kids on signing day. Um, and that goes with everything we've seen since they've gotten here. Just really the attention to detail and, and um, you know, when he answered the question on Saturday about how you've got the transfer portal going on, national signing day, bowl prep, uh, et cetera, all going on at the same time, you know, does he wish something changed or would something uh, – Something would be different, and he liked the idea and loved it, said he loved it. And I think what that tells you is he sees it as an advantage because of the staff that he has, um, mm-hmm. and it, 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 it puts him at an advantage over other schools that maybe uh, aren't on top of things as well as he and his staff. Gotcha. Uh, Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com. couple of names out there that people are curious about. They visited last weekend. What are you hearing about that? He's he's an elite safety, Isaac Smith. Yeah, um, I'm still trying to find out what. Uh, uh, you know, I put in a prediction at LSU a couple of weeks on him, and I, I gave a medium intensity on it. Uh, I see where we're one of the Mississippi State guys this morning uh, put in a prediction for Mississippi State, and um, I don't know. Uh, I, I okay. want some more information on that one. But um, I know he had a great visit. LSU got the last visit. Um, I'm going to stick with LSU until I get a little bit more. Okay, there's another one out there. He's not going to sign on Wednesday. He's going to sign on Thursday, and that's cornerback Desmond Ricks from IMG Academy out there in Florida. I hear You, know, you hear all the names, Alabama, LSU, Florida, and others. Um, how, what, what's your feeling on Desmond Ricks? Um, that's another one I, I put in for LSU a while back, and I'm sticking with it. Um, I, I think LSU lands him. And so this, it... this DB Hall is going to be fantastic. And then, then you see, wait to see what uh, happens in the portal. you got Denver Harris out there, uh, Tech Miner's uh, stepson, and, and, of course, was at A&M and got into some, had some issues. Uh, who was a five-star and was doing nice things for them. So, um, of course, we got Brian Kelly on Saturday. I got him to give a number, and he said uh, 38. When I asked him between portal and high school signees, what would the number look like? And he, he said he, he threw out the number 30. So That's amazing. So it ended up being 39. Um, I think the more interesting uh, – <laughs> The more interesting numbers are going to be the uh, the transfer portal kids and who makes up those guys going forward. I mean, could there be as many as ten of them? Um, and of course, already Aaron Anderson going down uh, Sunday night was huge, and with the amount of eligibility he has left, that's almost like him being a high school signee and right. immediately elevates LSU's return game. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Aaron Anderson. We talk about the return game. Uh, but is what about his uh, what about as a wide receiver? He's fantastic. Uh, I I don't know that there's a, as good as LSU's wide receivers are. 
and um, it'll be another year where you go into, into the off season saying, you know, whose wide receiver uh, room would you trade with nationally? Um, I think it's going to be the same conversation this off season. Um, and that being said, I don't know if there is a better yards after the catch guy in that wide receiver room than Aaron Anderson. I mean, he's, he's that fantastic. I mean, the first time I saw him, I was having uh, Josh Reed flashbacks, and the kid wow. says that he he thinks he's he's more like Tyreek Hill. So, wow. you know, he's about That's five awesome. eight five nine, great balance. Uh, he go up and get fifty fifty balls despite not being very tall, and um, he's just a gamer, man. He he. Uh, ask Tony Corville over at Karen Crow and, and JT Curtis and others uh, what yeah. Aaron Anderson did to them in some football games. Right. How does LSU keep all those wide, wide receivers? I mean, how do they do it? I mean, yeah, I, I'm looking for somebody to go to the portal. Especially when, when you know, Jaden Daniels is coming back. Right? I, I, that, that's um, what they, it seems they have to me to be. Like Burrow had with Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall and others. Um, but it's it. You were talking about a, a a very important spring football because, you know, what what how is that going to shake out and who's going to get the reps and um, yep. and then you've got another portal period May one through the fifteenth or whatever, and uh, what what quarterback ends up getting in the portal after spring football? Gotcha. Uh, he is Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com. I I think a position of need that really no not many people talk about, but to me. Um, other than Josh Williams, there's been a very inconsistent running back room. Has LSU answered that problem with the with uh, with the recruiting uh, aspect in the running back room? I think so. Um, Caleb Jackson, you know, you're talking about a five foot eleven, two hundred ten pound running back um, can run a ten five, ten six hundred meters at that size. Um, Trey Holly, who's the change of pace back that now owns the Louisiana High School rushing records of uh, Nick Brissett's record. Um, they've got two really good ones there. We'll wait to see what happens with John Emery, um, and we'll also wait to see if maybe there's a running back they get in the portal. I've, I've thought for months that um, they would add a transfer portal running back uh, sometime uh, next uh, next year, spring, summer, whatever. Okay. Makes perfect sense. Um, have uh, has LSU addressed their needs? It seems like this team, th- this staff, has got all their eyes dotted, their T's crossed. It seems like they're doing what they need to develop the depth at the positions that they were lacking. Is that is that an accurate assessment? I think so. Um, and then you'll re- you'll really get an idea uh, once the portal uh, kids start to fall. Um, you know, one of the kids that we've been tracking now for about 48 hours is Jalen Lee, uh, defensive tackle from Florida, who was originally from Live Oak and was committed to LSU for a long okay. period of time. Uh-huh. Uh, or as Ron and the staff parted ways with him, he ended up signing with uh, Florida. Um, I think they think that he can be a, a solid uh, guy to provide depth. Um, okay. So I think he could be a part of uh, LSU's portal hall. And then you look – you know, they had two defensive ends, one from Oregon, one from Arizona, uh, on campus this weekend for official visits. Right. And um, so it, it's 
lot of the, the, the offers that have been extended to transfer portal guys have been the defensive ends and defensive tackles. So um, you, you've got some really good guys coming back, but they want to add some depth. They, um, uh, they, need some, they need more guys, more bodies there. Gotcha. Uh, Mike Skirber, TigerBait.com. I'll let you get out on this one. Uh, last year, Howard Perkins Jr. was the highest-rated recruit, and we saw what kind of an impact he made. Who's the pick of the litter, in your opinion, of this class? Man, I, I think a lot of people will probably think uh, Deshaun Watson. Um, I really like Lance Hurd from Neville. Toviano's a stud. I, I, I think probably the three or four guys at the top, Shelton Sampson, okay. they're, okay. they're all right there. I mean, you've you, you got three five-star guys. Uh, Shelton Sampson is a guy that some will argue for. Um, I might go Lance Hurd just because that's always been a sore subject, and then that, that really gives you an advantage if uh, he can come in and do what the two freshmen did this year, and then you're able to move Emory Jones inside. Gotcha. Mike Scarborough, uh, get those th- don't, don't let those uh, cell phones uh, run dry. Keep them charged up, big guy. And I, I greatly appreciate it. It should be quite the haul in the next couple of days for LSU. It's kind of exciting. We'll see um, how they rank nationally. Um, should be pretty good, don't you think? I think so. Um, you know, whether they're fourth, fifth, sixth, uh, wherever they end up uh, right in the middle of the top ten, I think it's a fantastic class. And um, and then the portal kids get added to it. Yeah. Um, and then if you start looking at the portal kids and who they bring in there, what, uh, what is the, uh, how many years do each one of those kids have left? Right. Right. Um, you know, it's going to get to the point now where you're like, what percentage of, of each year's roster is, is, is turned over? Um, gotcha. I mean, look, look, look at the new faces that were actually the top players for LSU this past season. Uh, without the transfer portal kids, what what is LSU's record? The MVP, Jaden Daniels, Harold Perkins, the newcomer, um, Wingo at tackle, who comes in for a Mason Terrific. Smith, who gets hurt on the first play. Yeah, um, I mean, just some crazy success. Um, you know, w- with the numbers they took in the portal, you know, we were saying, well, what does the hit rate need to be to say that the transfer portal hit rate? Uh, it was a success, the haul. I mean, there weren't many misses there. I mean, huge success with what they brought in. And now uh, they probably get to attract a much uh, even better group uh, for the ones that they want to get this year. Sounds good. Uh, thank you for your time, Mike. Merry Christmas. I hope it's a Merry Christmas for uh, for Brian Kelly and his staff, buddy. Thank you. Uh-huh. Merry Christmas. Talk soon. You got it, my friend. Mike Scarborough of TigerBait.com. The biggest names in today's music are taking over Gulf Shores, Alabama in 2023. Hangout Fest returns May 19th to the 21st with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Calvin Harris, Paramore, and more. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has VIP passes to Hangout Fest. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. VIP gives you access to exclusive viewing areas, stage side pools, hot tubs, and gourmet food. Hangout Fest is a beach vacation like no other. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. When we return, preview of the Indie Bowl with the Cajuns and the Cougars. Sideline reporter Cody Juno joins us next here on the Jordy Helper Show. 
Helpful holiday tip number 12. Use caution when adding bourbon to your eggnog. Everyone likes a good time, but no one wants to see you have a pants down, face down in the yard good time. Okay? This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 36 minutes after the hour, um, come Friday, the Raging Cajuns uh, will take on the Houston Cougars in the Independence Bowl in Shreveport. We've talked about it uh, time and time again. It's it's always cold in Shreveport with a low. It's, it's uh, anticipated nine degrees, a high of 30 degrees. I've been there where our next guest is going to be. I've been there on the sidelines when LSU took on Michigan State, when Nick Saban was coaching the Spartans and Jerry DiNardo was coaching LSU. Colder than cold, but Cody Juno, the sideline reporter for the, the Raging Cajuns, will man the fort and handle it and handle it with aplomb. He's joining us now. Uh, Cody, you ready, buddy? You got your, you got your cold, go-to cold weather apparel? Uh, death taxes and bad weather in the Independence Bowl. It just, I mean, it kind of is what it is. So we'll we'll pack the closet with us, uh, and you know, may look like the Michelin Man, but we're going to be ready to go come Friday at uh, two o'clock. Uh, Houston started out as a two and a half point favorite. It's jumped up to six and a half. Is that because you think some of the uh, some of the raging Cajuns have either um, opted out or uh, of the bowl game or have entered into the transfer portal? Well, I think that's part of it, but I think it's also because we got clarification that both Clayton Toon and, and Nathaniel Dell are going to play, right, for Houston. And so yeah. uh, those are two big weapons. Dell's the, the receiver on the outside who leads the country uh, with 15 touchdown receptions this year. Jordy in second in yards at almost 1,400. And, you know, t- uh, Toon's tossed 37 tutties to just 10 interceptions. And, you know, so that Cougars offense is They've got those two main pieces um, that are going to, you know, plan to suit up on Friday, and so I think that has a that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, Dana Holgerson's offense averages nearly thirty-eight points per game. You mentioned Clayton Tune; he throws for about three hundred and twenty yards on average, thirty-seven touchdowns to ten interceptions. Um, a lot of lot of playmaker. Well, not a lot, but some playmakers on the offensive side for the Cajuns are are done. Um, Jefferson. Being one, uh, that that's the go-to guy. That that hurts. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, not having Michael Jefferson, who had just an absolutely outstanding uh, senior campaign for for the Cajuns this year. You know, but the one thing about that room, Jordy, is it's the deepest position. Yeah. You know, you could argue along that on that Cajun. Really, I think the team, uh, but especially the offense. And so, I think what we'll see is the opportunity for guys like Peter LeBlanc. And, John Stevens Jr., Jacob Bernard, those guys to step up, you know, have the tight ends, Neil Johnson, um, you know, those those folks step up and, and make some plays and help Chandler Fields in that offense. We got Cody Juno joining us, uh, Cajuns, Cougars, um, coming up this Friday in Shreveport. I, I love that Chris Smith was, um, he's declared for the draft, but he, according to Michael Desimo, he's emphatic on playing in the Indie Bowl. I love that. Yeah, Chris is going to give it one more go as a Cajun. Same thing for uh, for Zion Hill-Green. The difference being, I guess, with, with Chris is that he does have an, another year of eligibility to come back 
Um, you know, one of those guys giving red shirts and COVIDs, and you kind of start to lose track of who's got eligibility left and who doesn't. But Chris, if he wants to come back, can do that. But uh, you know, to your point, has said that he won't. And like, I, I expect nothing less from Chris Smith. Right? He's a guy who probably had an opportunity to leave a season ago and made it very clear that he wanted to to be a raging Cajun. You know, Des is one of those guys that recruited um, recruited Chris when he was mm-hmm. signing out of Mississippi in high school, and so I think it means a lot to. To Chris to, to finish, uh, you know, finish out his career playing one more time in the uh, Vermilion and White. You want to end the season off in the right way. Certainly, Louisiana did to get to this bowl eligibility with their win over Texas State. Um, what's what's what what's the biggest question mark about this game to you? Yeah, well, I mean, we talked about kind of some of those opt-outs, right? And I think not having a guy like Andre Jones and get to the quarterback. Um, you know, and long and lengthy, right? And Houston, they like to really get that quick game moving, uh, not necessarily taking long shots down the field. You know, so how does not having a guy uh, like Andre, who's getting ready for the NFL draft, uh, impact those sort of things, right? Uh, it becomes another hit to that defensive front, which has some depth issues, just given, you know, Andre Landry's a guy that's not going to be able to go. Some injuries late in the year have, have really hit the depth of that front. So for me, that that's kind of the concern, um, you know, as we head into uh, as we head into what's going to be a very very cold afternoon in Shreveport on Friday, <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, defense has to step up, as you mentioned. There's no question about that. Um, enough firepower on the offensive side to uh, if it gets into a shootout, can the Cajuns put up enough? Well, I think that's the thing that you want to try to avoid if you are Louisiana, right? You want to, I think, come out and try to see if you can establish that run. You know, we've seen Draylon Washington really step up. Um, along with Terrence Williams, as as the season has progressed, right? Those two guys really becoming uh, the two backs, and you know, see if Chris Smith can can hit one last big one for you. Uh, you know, as he goes out in his final game. But I think if you have your druthers, right, it control the line of scrimmage. The offensive line has come leaps and bounds where they were in the beginning of the year, can you control the line of scrimmage, kind of shorten that contest, right? Keep the uh, Cougars offense off the field, right? The defense comes in, look, they're giving up, they being Houston, you know, almost 34 points a game. So they can be scored upon. And so, you know, I think the recipe for success, and don't forget, Jordy, we we talked about the temperatures a lot, right? There's going to be, I don't know, 12, 15-mile-hour wind that's going to be constantly blowing at Independent Stadium, Mm-hmm. At least it's forecasted as of right now. So how does that impact the throw game? Uh, so I think if the Cajuns come out, establish the run, really control that clock, that's going to be the best recipe for success. Here's Cody Juno. How about Lance Lejean, uh switching from uh, quarterback to wide receiver? That's is that is that something you think is going to be a permanent shift, or is that basically, hey, look, uh, Michael Jefferson's not there. We need some help. We need some depth. Uh, let's put you there. Yeah, no, I mean, Lance has been really working at receiver all year long and, and has gotten more and more playing time, gotten into the rotation, you know, and really kind of had a coming out party in that final game at Texas State, connecting, um, you know, on a beautiful touchdown pass from uh, from Zeon Chris, the, the true freshman for Louisiana at quarterback when they were in late in the game. And, um, no, I mean, I think you talk about a guy who can step up Potentially, you know, again, you're not going to replace a Michael Jefferson, but a guy who has that big playability, 6'2", 223 pounds, and he's every bit of that, um, you know, a real physical threat outside. 
I think it would be a, a welcome sign if, if Lance can have a, a coming out party and propel him into a spring and then into a fall where he's going to be a, a big contributor for Louisiana offensively. I don't know how these coaches do it, but you've got the early uh, signing period starting tomorrow. They're, the Cajuns are in uh, Shreveport uh, for the Independence Bowl. What are you hearing from this staff about what they anticipate on national early signing day that starts tomorrow for three days? Yeah, the three-day window is going to open up tomorrow. That comes you know, just after two weeks after the 45-day transport portal window opened up uh, on December the 5th. So, yeah, I mean, they're juggling everything. Look, I think this staff is going to stay at its core. Uh, they're going to, you know, when in doubt, uh, go the high school route over the junior college or, or transfer route. Uh, you know, they may come in and, and try to find an area of need of position. You know, I know that the Cajuns have had some guys, unfortunately, fall off. Uh, but, you know, you look at a guy who flips from Louisiana to LSU, a guy who flipped from uh, Louisiana to Texas Tech. So that tells you that they're in on the right guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, but I think at the end of the day, the staff is they're excited about the class that they're putting together as we head into uh, 22 and 23. Uh, but look for it to be really made up of, of mainly high school guys that come in uh, and develop in the, in the future stars, hopefully. How would you uh, rate the job that Coach Des did in his in his first year? Yeah, I, I think you know you you look back, um, and, and maybe expectations and reality were were nowhere near. Um, True, you know what what ended up playing out, right? And so True. I think the thing that I've seen the most, um, and and that they need to really be, you know. Um, they can kind of shine a light on is I've seen them make adjustments. I've seen the staff get better, Jordy, from game one okay. to game 12, just as the team has. And I think that can go a long way, right? Learning from early mistakes, uh, understanding that it is different when is different, excuse me, calling plays, but also having to be the head coach, right? Doing, right. juggling all of those duties. And so for me, that's been the biggest thing is I, I, there has been a growth, at least from my standpoint, from Michael Desmond, from game one, as we head into to game 13 as a head coach. Uh, and I think that's something that you don't ever really understand until you get in that role and you see, you know, that person go through those things. And so, again, expectations in reality, when you go back and you look at it and you say, well, I guess we didn't realize that, you know, five offensive linemen, none of them went through spring drills. And, oh, by the way, you know, you lost a guy that's starting or due to injuries but not playing for the New York Jets. You lost a guy in Osiris Torrance mm-hmm. who's going to be a first-round draft pick, right? There were some major clogs, especially up front, that you lost. And so I think it took a little bit longer than Cajun fans wanted, but we're able to get that offensive front kind of developed and moving in the right direction. Um, you know, and, and I think the reality is you look at it, it was counted up, right? There's eight teams on that Cajun schedule. And coming into the year was, was not looked upon as being a, a strong schedule. Yet eight teams find themselves in bowl games, right? And, huh, and yeah. so uh, I think for me, when I look back and say, man, this staff has actually grown and it's come a lot further than I think anybody thought it had to go, uh, but that's only a positive sign moving forward. Cody, um, you mentioned um, Coach Dez, multiple hats, head coach. He handled play calling duties. For some, that's just too much. Do you think? Do you think he's willing to relinquish that play calling role and hire a full time offensive coordinator, or do you expect him to keep the status quo and, and continue along the the path that he started with? You know, I, I think that uh, I guess I don't know the answer to that question. But what I can tell you, kind of based off of what I just said, 
I think we're going to see him evaluate each and every aspect of that program. And, and I think if it comes down to it and he feels that there needs to be a change made in, in, in the play calling, that he would do that. I, I don't think he's afraid to relinquish those duties, um, you, you know, so to say. I just think that, again, you look at it, man, you know, if they're starting the season today versus back in August, they're going to handle that quarterback situation a whole lot differently, right? They're going to do some things schematically probably a little different to get the offense settled in. And so I think those are kind of the learning curves that you go through that yeah. you don't you don't know what you don't know, right, so to right. say. And so right. um, I do fully expect those guys, you know, Coach Dead, to do a complete uh, self-evaluation and where, they, where change needs to be made. I, the thing is uh, that I'm confident in is he's not afraid to make change if it needs to be made, no matter how uncomfortable it may be. And so I think for a Cajun, you know, for Cajun fans, that's something to be excited about. You do a tremendous job. I can't thank you enough, man. Stay warm. Merry Christmas. And uh, let's get a W, and let's get to 7-6 and six and build off of that. That would be terrific. Good luck against the Cougars. I appreciate you, Jordy. Merry Christmas to you. And, uh, yeah, have, have something, you know, uh, whether it's eggnog, a nice glass of bourbon, have something warm <laughs> for me on, uh, on Friday. You got it, my friend. Take care. Safe travels. Uh, Cody Juno, sideline reporter for the Ragin' Cajuns. If you're looking for great stocking stuffers this holiday season, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Back to wrap up our number one here on the Jordy Helpert Show. Helpful holiday tip number 24. Do not buy your wonderful wife a mixer or knife set or any other kitchen item. Since she puts up with you all year, she deserves jewelry, you filthy animal. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Of all. Here we go. Rudolph, Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. All right, you can listen to all your favorite Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. That's nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live at lachristmaschannel.com or download the free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices and listen on your Amazon Alexa. So listen to some holiday cheer with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Cam Wire, former LSU Tiger, announced that he's staying in Louisiana. He is um, in the portal, transferring to the Tulane Green Wave. Uh, what a job they have done as they're ready to take on USC in the Cotton Bowl. That's pretty stinking awesome. Yes, yeah, so we wish him all the very, very best. Uh, as he continues to pursue his dream, everybody wants to get to the get to the um, NFL draft. Um, so lots of lots of reports out there, lots of mock drafts out there already. Uh, a lot of drafts have Bryce Young going number one to the Houston Texans. Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle of uh, Georgia, going to Seattle. Paris Johnson, the offensive tackle of Ohio State. Boy, Joe Burrow will love that. Going to Cincinnati, Will Anderson 
from Alabama, the linebacker going to Detroit, the up-and-coming Detroit Lions. And the Eagles at number five, um, that's the pick from New Orleans. Saints would have the number five pick. Tyree Wilson, an eggs rusher from Texas Tech, according to that one. Um, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Um, Pelicans are taking Brandon Ingram's injury week by week. Not day by day, but week by week. And that feels like a very concerning update at this point in time. Um, so we shall see. They need Brandon Ingram back in the lineup as the Pels have lost four in a row. Coming up, our number two, Matthew Bruni, more on LSU as they get ready for Purdue. LSU basketball plays again tomorrow night. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network with the Black and Gold Report coming your way after the top of the hour sports update here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Live and local, this is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone, it's a Saints touchdown! It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go. The Pels got beat last night by Giannis and the Bucks. He is just so stinking good. He's amazing. Um, amazing. The Packers beat uh, uh, the L.A. Rams. The Rams have free-fallen, and the believe it or not, the Packers, much like the Saints, are still kind of in the mix for a possible playoff appearance, a lot of things have to go right for both teams. They got to win a lot of games and they got to get a lot of help from some friends, but they're still in the mix. The Cajuns get ready to take on um, Houston in the Independence Bowl on Friday with cold, cold temperatures. I don't think that's going to be a problem for LSU as they head to Orlando January 2nd to take on Purdue. Let's talk all things LSU on the eve of National Signing Day. Uh, LSU expecting to get a big, big haul uh, as they try to build depth and add some stars to their program. Matthew Bruni, kind enough to join us. Merry Christmas, Matthew. How in the heck are you? Um, I'm doing. I'm doing all right. It's the. It's a little three day. The seventy two hours from Monday through Wednesday, and even into Thursday a bit are obviously. Um, Big, big, big days for for us. You know, Billy and Bicidix and myself, and so yeah, yeah it's uh, we're in the middle of it now. I've been, you know, writing and uh, watching tape and doing all the stuff that I need to do to get ready for tomorrow. So it's been good. Bengal Tiger on three is where you get all the information. You've been looking at tape. Who's the best player you've seen on tape that you think can step in? Look, LSU had four freshmen come in and and contribute a lot start and contribute do you see anybody of that caliber yeah i'll give you one uh defensive end deshaun womack uh high four star five star in a a couple places out of baltimore maryland um top five edge rusher in this class and he's someone who could step in and he's he has a similar build to bj ojalari you kind of hope that he can step into Hmm. that role and 
kill it. Obviously, you know, that's asking a lot of any freshman, but, uh, man, he just, he pops on tape. He's 6'4", about 250, so he's a little slim, but uh, he gets off the ball really well. Great pass rusher there. Deshaun Womack is one of my favorites in this class for that jack position that BJ plays. Okay. Um, what about on the offensive side? Anybody? I, I really think this Shelton Sampson from Catholic High in Baton Rouge, I think he's going to be a hell of a player. Um, he's got all the tools, all the measurables, uh, and he can high point that thing. Uh, what are your thoughts mm -hmm. on him? Yeah, 6'4", uh, like you said, out of Catholic. Uh, a little thin, but, you know, receivers nowadays, as long as you can, uh, you know, like you said, high point the ball and handle some of the physicality, I think he'll be okay. That'll be the whole thing for him is is how much does he need to bulk up? How much um, is his speed and athleticism just going to allow him to, you know, beat people over the top? But, you know, we'll, we'll see how he develops the short game and the intermediate game. But as far as I, I just trust him in a lot of situations to be that big play threat. Um, and, I mean, he's high, again, high four-star, five-star on three and just clearly one of the best receivers in the country. So that's a huge, huge get uh, to keep him in, in Baton Rouge. Have you have you watched any of Aaron Anderson, the, the kid that uh, from Edna Carr who went to Alabama, entered the portal, is coming back to LSU? I hear, I hear incredible reviews. Yeah, uh, I watched his tape. So for those who don't know, he missed last year at Alabama. His, his, this past season in Alabama, uh, he had a knee injury that held him out for most of the season, uh, which was disappointing. But then he enters the portal and he comes to LSU. So we only have really his high school tape to work off of. But, I mean, out of high school, he was the number two player in, in Louisiana, uh, high, you know, a highly rated guy, top 50 type player out of high school. So, and that was just two years ago, you know, or really one year ago at this point. And, I mean, watching his tape, excellent return man. Uh, a lot of people said he was the best return man in the class of 2022. And so you get that. And then obviously at Five nine, five ten, uh, more of a slot guy. Really, really quick. Really good with the hands and his ball, uh, ball in his hands. And uh, somebody that I think you know LSU didn't have that a lot last year. They didn't have a, a gadget type guy that um, they could go to in situations like that. So that's going to be nice to, for LSU's offense to be able to sprinkle that in a little bit more. All right, we shall see how many sign on the dotted line and how many. You never know. There's always one or two that at the last minute, maybe changes their mind. Maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't happen. Uh, we shall see. We don't know how many more are coming into the portal, uh, but it's, it's a busy time, and um, I think it's going to be a very, very worthwhile three days. Is that what your the, the experts that you deal with, including yourself, is that is that the uh, synopsis on this thing? Yeah. I, I mean, we expect a majority of these 24, 25 guys well, right now it's 25. Uh, we'll see if they continue to pick up guys. But with the addition of JV and Toviano uh, the past week, that was big. And then we'll see how many they get signed. The, the expectation is over 20. So, you know, it, it, the whole thing is with early signing day now, it's basically, you know, this is signing day. The February signing day is kind of a afterthought in a lot of people's minds at this point because teams want to get that security they want to be done with it and they want to get these guys early enrolled if possible so um yeah it'll be a huge day tomorrow and you know thursday uh got some decisions as well but uh yeah it's, it's a huge class and it'll it's setting up to be uh, potentially top five 
two uh, big recruits that came in over the weekend, both in the defensive secondary. Uh, when you when you guys meet together, you Billy and Shay, um, what's the confidence level on an Isaac Smith, and what's the confidence level on um, Desmond Ricks? Yeah, so starting with Isaac Smith, uh, Mississippi kid, Mississippi State has been recruiting him really, really hard. Zach Garnett has done a great job over there. Uh, it's been kind of 50-50. You know, we'll see if if LSU can get him out of the state. Those are always hard, uh, as we know, and it's hard for people to get Louisiana kids out of Louisiana, hard to get Mississippi kids out of Mississippi at times. So uh, that's kind of one that we're still in the air on. Uh, wouldn't be surprised either way. Uh, I think – some people are kind of starting to lean towards Mississippi State, but that'll be something that we'll find out in the coming days. And then uh, Desmond Ricks uh, was a 2024 reclass to 2023. Uh, one of, I believe, he's the third-ranked corner in this class, and that's the one that I think confidence is starting to grow on LSU side that they're going to get him. But that's that. It's been a long, long uh, and winding battle. In that in that field with Alabama and Florida, mm-hmm. and so confidence is starting to grow that LSU is going to be able to get him. But we'll know for sure. Uh, I believe Thursday night is when he commits. Okay, uh, we shall see. Uh, let's shift gears. LSU basketball has one more non-conference game tomorrow against East Tennessee State, and then it's off to the SEC. Um, what's your thoughts on this LSU basketball team from what you've seen and knowing what they're about to face? Well, let's start. Let's start with the positives. Um, the positives, obviously, KJ Williams has has been good, and yeah. Cam Hayes has been well, the surprise of the season to me because last year he was unplayable in NC State, and now he's. I mean, he had twenty five points on eight of eleven shooting two days yeah. or three days ago against Winthrop. Yeah. So that's the positive. Um, and I think another positive is that McMahon has figured out his rotation and the guys he trusts. So he's not playing. Um, he's not playing Trey Hannibal as much. He's not playing Imani Wilkinson at all, which is kind of surprising, but not, you know, I don't think he's, um, I don't think Imani was great this year for this right. style of team. Uh, so yeah, you have all that going for them, and I think they're a solid team in the SEC that, uh, an SEC is kind of wide open outside of the top five, I'd say. So you have that going for them, but overall, I, just it's it's a very average team uh has a pretty low ceiling kj williams is is good but um there's only so much you can really do with him and then justice hill's been kind of underwhelming uh adam miller's hit a cold stretch i believe he's uh, i wrote it down somewhere he's like four of 30 or something like that yeah. from three yeah. last four games yeah uh so yeah it's it's just still a mixed bag uh but i think the sec is open enough to where they could somehow get to eight and 10. Uh, I think that would be a great year for, for this team. Eight and 10. Yeah. Uh, look, I think KJ Williams can play, but he's about to face, um, you know, oh, yeah. taller at more athletic players. Um, so it's going to be very, it's going to be very, very interesting. I think LSU fans have to be a little bit patient. Eight and 10 would be, would be outstanding. I think yeah. given what I've only seen him play once in person, and uh whoo limited limited <laughs> yeah uh to um, say the very very least yeah i i think um i wrote I, I looked it up and if you look at a bunch of coaches in their first year i highlighted uh eric musselman at arkansas who's obviously doing a great job there his yeah. first year at arkansas he went he went seven and eleven 
Um, there's a bunch of coaches with track records that if you go back and look at their first year, and these are recent hires of the past three, four years, you look at their first year and it was all, you know, six wins, seven wins in conference, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, around that range. So if you can get to eight wins with this team, I would be very impressed. And I think McMahon is a good coach on the court. Obviously what's going to decide his ceiling is recruiting and the players that he can get. I don't think there's any question that the man can coach basketball. No question about yeah. it. Does he have the right staff together to go out and get players? That that you're one thousand percent correct. Um, LSU football um, getting ready for Purdue. Purdue without their coach, without their quarterback, without their two best wide receivers. Looks like Jaden Daniels is going to play. We both think he's coming back. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, it just depends on does LSU want to play in this game? That's that's all that matters. If they do, they'll win. Yeah, uh, like you said, you kind of rattled off Purdue's the uh, you know where they're have holes at right now. I, I agree. I think that was the whole thing coming into the game. Even if what Purdue was fully healthy, I thought LSU. You know, Purdue's a good team. Don't get me wrong, but if LSU came out and played like they can play. I think they were just a you know better team by 10 or 11 points. So uh, the spread's going up to 14, 14 and a half now. Um, I just, like you said, uh, that's what's going to decide it. But I've said before, I think Brian Kelly's going to treat this game with a good amount of urgency. I think there is a good, um, I think there is some uh, a want to not lose, you know, three straight games to end the season and to end the season on a high note because perceptually, while it wasn't good to lose to A&M and then obviously you lose to Georgia, to whatever, but if you can beat Purdue and you obviously have a recruiting class, so let's just say it ends in the top five, then right. we're talking momentum. Then the A&M game is kind of flushed, and then you can move on to 2023 with a, with a, with a lot of confidence. Alabama's supposed to have the number one recruiting class. I know Georgia's going to be up there. Is LSU the third-ranked class, or is there another SEC team above them in, in, from what uh, on three has uh, has gotten to this point in time? Yeah, right now LSU's third. Um, okay. Florida's kind of a little bit uh, not far behind at four, but if LSU gets Desmond Ricks um, and if they get Isaac Smith or you know, if they get one of those two or both of them, obviously they'll shoot up a good amount. Um, okay. I believe they're seventh right now in the country, but it's, they're close to those teams in the four to seven gotcha. range. So, um, yeah, that's kind of we'll see how it finishes out. But if they get Desmond Ricks, that's a huge boost because, like I said, he's top you know thirty player in the country, number three corner, all that stuff. So that's that would be a huge boost for them, and they'll probably edge out Texas and Notre Dame at that point. I don't know how you differentiate one through ten. It's so close, right? You get in the yeah. top ten, you, you've done a heck of a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's a that's what uh, we were waiting to see with this staff getting a full you know year recruiting cycle, uh, what they could do. And I mean, this is it's been an incredible job, especially if they get Ricks. And obviously, like I said, they got to, uh, J Javin Toviano uh, last yeah. week, so that would be a great way to end the end the cycle and kind of move on oh. from there. Well, keep up. I know you're going to be be busy for the next few days, but uh, when it's over. I hope you can enjoy your Christmas, and I can't thank you enough for uh, being available for us, Matthew Bruni on three, BengalTigerOn3.com. Thank you so much, and tell those boys uh, I, I, that I said hello to them, uh, Shay and uh, Billy, all right? Yes, will do. Thank you for having me. Have a good Christmas.
You got it, my friend, um, Matthew Bruni. You know, your Alexa or Google Home speaker helps out around the house. It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and so much more. Uh, but did you know that it can also play the game? Hmm, bet you didn't. Well, it does. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. We finally have some good news to talk about with the New Orleans Saints. They get a win, and they win over Atlanta again. Black and gold report when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Citrus Bowl-bound LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The last Black and Gold Report before Christmas, and our Christmas present is another win over the Atlanta Falcons, 21-18. to Bob Rose, Merry Christmas, sir. Merry Christmas to you, Jordy, and Merry Christmas to your family for sure and to all you listeners out there as well. I hope you're having a great holiday season. And the same to you as well. Y'all watching a lot of Christmas movies? Uh, yeah, yeah, a good bit. Um, <laughs> we, you know, when we when we can corral the little guy uh, long enough to, to settle down and watch him. But, yeah, we're trying. Um, never apologize for how you win a game in the NFL because it's really hard to get a win. But, man, the Saints make it interesting, don't they? Uh, Yeah, they did their best to give that game away on a – say give away another game on a silver platter. Uh, And no reasonably thinking Saints fan sitting out there can't tell me that you weren't extremely nervous uh, midway through that fourth quarter. But a W is a W, like you said. We'll take it. Um, your assessment, uh, again, um, they beat Atlanta. It wasn't the most beautiful of things, but what stood out to you? Uh, as far as the positives, uh, it's nice to see a little bit of life from Alvin Kamara. Uh, and man, that offensive line, having Eric McCoy back makes a load of difference. I don't think, I think a lot of people are overlooking that. Uh, you know, defensively, Alante Taylor just plays better and better and better every single week. Uh, you know, same with Juwan Johnson at tight end on the offensive side. Demario Davis, Caden Ellis, I thought they uh, they had great games. And I think people are overlooking at how well the safeties, Marcus May and Tyron Matthew, played this past week. Uh, you know, I, I was extremely impressed by them. Uh, you know, downside, the run defense, man. That run defense still scares the bejesus out of me. And yep. the conservative play calling in the second half nearly cost them that win. Those are the two major negatives that stood out for me. You knew that Desmond Ritter couldn't throw it through a, a you know, wet paper bag. And you knew they were <laughs> going to run the football. And mm-hmm. you still could. I don't know who that dude was, but, man, was he good? But Or were the Saints just that bad? Uh, it was a little bit of both, Jordy. Uh, you know, leading up to the draft, I I did scout Tyler Algier a little bit uh, coming out of BYU, and I would not have minded it had the Saints picked him up with a you know, with a mid round pick. Had he still been there, Atlanta took him with a third round pick. Uh, you know, Tyler, as as you saw, yeah, you know, he's a really hard 
tough runner between the tackles with a nice burst when he gets to that second level. Uh, but it, I think it was more on the Saints defense because you know, you know, we've seen this script play out almost week after week all season long. This just this doesn't even look like a shadow of the dominant unit that uh, that uh, that ruled the league between 2018 and 2021. And I don't get it because you know all the front seven personnel have remained the same. And you know yeah there've been some you know a couple injuries and you know safety play has been poor, but stopping the run starts with your front seven. So I, I don't get the struggles. I really don't. Why can't the Saints put teams away? <laughs> well, what's, what's the deal? One of those things, you know, and people love to blame Dennis Allen. Uh, you know, this is one of those occasions where I think you can. Uh, the killer instinct trickles down from above. Mm-hmm. If you have a coach that's uh, and a co- or a coaching staff that's going to be you know, a, a fearless, aggressive, Wanting your team, you know, wanting to put the kill shot on teams, if you'll excuse the expression, yeah. when you have the opportunity, that kind of attitude is going to be reflected through your offense, through your defense. And you know, th- then suddenly you find yourself making plays when it matters most. You find yourself blowing out teams that you should beat handily. And th- this team and this coaching staff, they just they don't have that it factor. The case in point, they're up 14 zip. They're they're moving down the field on their third possession. They need an inch on second down to get a first down. Cesar Ruiz misses a block. Mm-hmm. Uh, they drop Alvin Kamara for a three-yard loss. Then after that play, the old proverbial false start, and then a sack on third down. They needed an inch. They wound up punting on fourth and 17. Mm-hmm. The teams don't let that happen, Bob Rose. <laughs> No, sir, they don't. Uh, you know, bad teams do bad things. As, you know, we found ourselves saying every week, you and I. Uh, you know, and then the following drive, you fumble away in the red zone. Yep. And if this were an isolated incident, you know, you might have chalked it up to, you know, okay, just a frustrating mistake. But again, you know, we've seen it week after week after week. Uh, you know, the the uh, the drive after that, I don't have my my notes are quite you know, a little bit out of reach. They had another opportunity, uh, you know, and you know, and again, self inflicted mistakes killed them. They mm-hmm. should have been by all rights up at least four scores at halftime they had another drive uh third and seven at the atlanta 43 dalton beautiful pass to jarvis landry hits him in the hands Mm -hmm. he he gets a little contact but that's you know you that's landry's got to catch that you gotta catch that you're not you're not talking about you you're not talking about an inexperienced guy either. You're right. talking about a five-time pro bowler who was brought on board specifically for reliable hands and sharp route running, and we've seen neither from Jarvis. Yeah, so they have plenty of opportunity on the offensive side to to mushroom this lead, but the defense had some opportunities too. Come on. I know Alante Taylor's getting better, but catch the ball. Take yeah. two interceptions right there for the taking. The Honey Badger had one right there for the taking. Couldn't come up with it. Good teams make those plays. They just do. Yeah, you're exactly right. And you know, Alante Taylor got my you know my number one game ball for the day. Uh, you know, but if they'd have lost that game, people could have pointed the finger at him. Uh, you know, near at or near the top of the list for giving away those opportunities. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're facing, you know, your defense is in a third and 13 situation and you give up 17, 16, 17 yards on a draw play. Uh, you know, 
And, you know, that that happened in the second half, too, to keep a Falcons drive alive. Uh, you know, you're obviously, you know, if you're wearing a fleur-de-lis on the side of your head, you're never going to get a referee's calls. Uh, you know, and those two pa- pass interference, the phantom pass interference, you know, calls on Matthew in the first half. Taylor in the second half, they were absolutely ludicrous. But like you pointed out, the defense had a chance to put Atlanta away. And again, you circle right back. You know, you do a 180 right back to the coaching staff and you say, okay, you know, your defense is winning first and second downs, but you're giving up a lot of first downs on third down, third down plays. Yeah. Atlanta's starting to build a little bit of momentum. So how do you respond offensively? You go into a shell and you go away from everything that worked in the first half. I just, yeah, it's black check marks all down the board. I'm with you. Um, on a positive note, if you had told me before the season that uh, Rashid Shahid and Jawan Johnson would be as good as they are, I mean, shoot, Shahid's been terrific. Jawan John, you're not supposed to be that big and be able to move like he does. He he's. He's really good. They need to get him the ball more. Yeah, they do. And you know, we are actually seeing that more and more. He was targeted on Sunday, uh, you know, six times, six or seven times more than any other Saints you know, receiver. So at least they're doing the right thing in that aspect. And I'll tell you, and you know I'm a fan of this team, you know, was a fan of this team growing up, and I hate to throw hyperbole. Uh, you know, into the room, but Jawan Johnson, the way he plays, his athleticism, his body type, doesn't he remind you of Shannon Sharp a little bit? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and Shannon had a pretty darn good career, so I love to see. Uh, yeah, the development of Juwan Johnson. Uh, yeah, Rashid Shahid. We all knew he was an electric athlete. Uh, yeah, when the when the Saints you know, grabbed him as an undrafted rookie. Uh, but the fact that he is developing very very quickly as a route runner, uh, you know, makes you feel really good about this kid. Yeah, you know, this young man's future. Andy Dalton's been playing pretty darn good of late. Um, maybe they need to open it up a little bit. Seventeen passes. Maybe that's not enough. Uh, yeah, it might not be. That's your um, conservative thing you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had uh, he had 11 or 12 pass attempts uh, you know, at halftime. Uh, and, and, you know, they had seven pass attempts as a team in the second half. Again, ludicrous. You were making big plays down the field, uh, you know, through the first two, maybe two and a half quarters. The Saints had 11 plays of over 10 yards. That last stanza, that last quarter and a half to maybe even two quarters, they had one play of over 10 yards. And, you know, again, they weren't trying to push the ball down the field. And when you have a defense that's coming up short in the big moments, you're just you're literally asking for a loss. Looks like to me that, that the Saints need a Tyler Algier, the running back. They, they need that kind of guy that's um, a runner with – Con- that takes contact and keeps his balance and keeps going. Falcons found him in the fifth round. Man, the Saints need to find a guy like that, I think. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, uh, you know, we've talked about safety. Quarterback is the obvious elephant in the room. Defensive tackle is a need. You have to put running back right at the top you know, of, the, of this team's needs in the offseason. And there are going to be a lot of good ones available in free agency. We'll yeah. see how the Saints handle their cap situation. But the nice thing about running backs are you can find an immediate contributor in the middle rounds. And early in Sean Payton's tenure, he did exactly that. You know, late rounds and undrafted guys in Payton's case. So, uh, yeah, so hopefully the scouting department are overturning these you know, the, these stones and you know, and searching all corners of the universe because it's a big need for this team this offseason. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break here. The Cowboys got beat. They were in Bob Rose's top five a week ago at number two. They're plummeting. I wonder if San Francisco's moving up. What about Cincy? They they did us all a big favor <laughs> after a, an abysmal first half. They turned on the Jets in the second half. And what a crazy week it was in the NFL. I got to get your take on the worst play in the career of one Bill Belichick. <laughs> we'll talk about the Saints heading up to the snow in Cleveland. We'll talk all about that and much, much more as we continue with the Black and Gold Report with the great Bob Rose of the Saints News Network after this time out here on the Jordy Heldberg Show. Helpful holiday tip number 36. Your precious little ones should receive a few boxes of boring clothes under the tree. Yeah, they'll surely be disappointed, but that helps build character. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back. As we continue the Black and Gold Report, I wonder if Frosty the Snowman is going to be making an appearance this Saturday because it's suspected when the Saints travel to Cleveland to be uh, in the highs of 15 with winds in the 25 to 40 mile per hour range. That wind is a factor. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, kind enough to join us. Cleveland is a two-and-a-half-point favorite, but the over-under is at 31-and-a-half. That's the lowest NFL over-under since 2008, Bob. They think wow. both of these offenses are inept. They kind of are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we talk about the Saints every single week, uh, especially their struggles on the offensive side. Cleveland's been just as bad in you know, uh, passing the ball. They're one of the better running teams in the league, and they, you know, they, they want to come into this game bullying you. Uh, yeah, and that, that style of play fits right along with what the weather is forecasting for because they're also calling for uh, uh, a lake effect snow possible yeah. uh, up to a foot uh, not during the game it's supposed to fall I've heard different you know, and, I, and I'm watch I'm watching the weather closely because mm-hmm. I might be going up there uh, you know for coverage uh, if I can get back in time for Christmas right um, and they're calling for a, a, about a foot of snow. And I've heard different time frames between Friday into Saturday morning, during the day on Friday. The Saints are flying out today. Uh, yeah. They might even be on the plane as we speak right. uh, yeah, because they're trying to beat that. And the thing about, and you know, trust me, because I grew up near Lake Erie, uh, yeah, the thing about Lake Effect Snow, it'll change on you in an instant. And yeah. you know, it, it is a beast to deal with. Yeah. Ugh. Not that's what scared me when I saw the schedule when it first came. I said, we got to go to Cleveland on Christmas Eve, and we got to go to Philly on New Year's Eve. You got to be kidding me. But maybe the Saints have caught a break. Jalen Hurts, a little shoulder issue. Maybe they hold him out, get him ready for the playoffs. We already saw what Cincinnati did to Tampa Bay. Boy, did Brady look bad. So their Bucks are six and eight. Saints, Falcons, Carolina, all five and eight. So mathematically still in the mix crazy very big very crazy and very much still in the mix uh you know the the saints need a little bit of help yeah uh you know namely tampa bay's got to get beat yes um 
but uh, yeah, there's there are two scenarios where the Saints could sneak in an NFC West title. Uh, you know, the, the simplest is Tampa has to lose two of their last three, and the Saints win uh, all three of theirs. But even if New Orleans drops to either Cleveland or Philadelphia, can't be both. Right. Uh, you know, then then you have to root for Tampa Bay to lose all three, and you know some other crazy things happen. So mm-hmm. it's still not out of the realm of possibility. But man. That giveaway, that giveaway in Tampa Bay really stings now, doesn't it, Saints yeah, fans? It really, really does. But boy, Brady looked, man. Time to time to go, time to go, Tom. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Uh, but I, I don't know that we'll see him hang it up. Uh, you know, yeah. it's that it's that boxer's mentality. You think you got one more in you. You need somebody to tell you somebody you respect to tell you it's time to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, because, you know, we've only seen flashes from Brady at best this year. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that entire Tampa team is playing well below expectations. Yeah, they are. As, as you know, uh, you know, but Brady, he you you watch it on his face, too. He dips into that well in key moments and there's just nothing there for him right now. I've seen some crazy plays in my life, but I've never seen what I saw with uh, New England and Las Vegas, knowing that the score was tied. My good. I've never seen anything like that, Bob. I know. Um, and that, you know, that we're talking about, you know, aging that play had to age Bill Belichick 25 years in that very instant. Uh, I mean, you just, you can't make that. You, uh, we're always talking about down and distance awareness. If you're a football player, uh, you know, and how could you make boneheaded mistakes? Uh, you know, when, when you're at the NFL level, uh, but this isn't, you know, you mentioned it before we went into break. If this isn't the most boneheaded mistake of all time, it's got to be right up there. I mean, you know, you, it was one of those things that you couldn't, but everything immediately slowed down to slow motion when it happened because you were just in such disbelief, uh, you know, at the mistake that that you know that that receiver made for New England. You saw a bad play by the Cowboys in overtime. They get beat by uh, an up and coming Jacksonville team. Minnesota comes from the the depths of the abyss and comes back from thirty something points uh, to win that game. Holy cow! It, it's crazy. So. Let's get to Bob Rose's top five teams in the NFL this week. We'll start. We're going to do it this way. We'll start at number five. Last week, your number five team in the NFL were the San Francisco 49ers. Who's number five this week? This week, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, yeah, they've been hovering around the back end of my uh, my top five all year. Um I think when you have a coach like Andy Reid and a player like Patrick Mahomes, you're going to be in every single game. And unlike some of the other teams and players you just mentioned, we don't see the Chiefs making big mistakes with games on the line. We see the you know, we see the exact opposite. They make the plays to win the games. Uh, you know, and because of that, they are still a very real championship contender. A late game rally drops them from number four to number five in your poll. So last week, the Chiefs were number four. This week, number four is? Uh, I swapped places with my top four and five from last week. Right. Uh, I inched the Buffalo Bills up a tad. Uh, yeah, and I know that they were in a, a dogfight with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, but one of the things that worried me about Buffalo all year long was their inability to run the football uh, with their running backs. You know, that Josh Allen has had to shoulder the load in, in mm-hmm. every instance. And you know, we saw the Bills run 
well against a pretty tough Dolphins defense. They still struggle stopping the run. I think still think this Buffalo team is very, very vulnerable in that capacity. But it's nice to see a little bit of balance developing from the Bills' offense. I don't want to play Buffalo at their place in the playoffs. Nope. That I don't want to do that. All right, so Kansas City number five, Buffalo number four. Last week, Cincinnati checked in at number three. Cincinnati was the team that trailed 17-3 to at the half and then just blitzkrieged Tampa Bay. So who's number three this week? I, a team that I – Gave up. I threw dirt on a little bit too quickly. I dropped them out of my top five last week because of injuries, not performance. But I got to move the San Francisco 49ers back. And I'm going to put them at number three. Uh, you know, again, you know, a rookie seventh rounder, a quarterback. You have a hard time believing that they're going to win you know, one, let alone string together a bunch of postseason victories. But this team just keeps winning and winning and winning. And I, I am just so impressed by the talent and the physicality that the 49ers show on both sides of the line of scrimmage. That's a team that nobody wants to play with things on the line. Different kind of a style, but the Ravens won with Trent Dilford quarterback and a really good defense. I think the 49ers have more weapons than Baltimore ever did. Yeah. The Niners don't have uh uh, uh what's his name? Uh the the middle linebacker um that the Ravens had back in the day. Oh, uh, Ray Lewis. Yeah, yeah, Ray Lewis, but um I like the 49ers a lot. Uh, Bob Rose Saints News Network. Uh Dallas was number 2. They they have they're pummel they're plummeting yet again. What is it about Dallas? Why is everybody always so high on them? And and then Dak Prescott does what he does, and the receiver drop. They always seem to beat themselves. Always. I know. I know. It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, you know, uh, uh, amazing and hilarious at the same time because uh, you you love to see it. Because the reality is the national media and the league itself, they want the Dallas Cowboys to be relevant. And it's not like this team doesn't have talent. I mean, Micah Parsons is as good as they come. Yeah, I yeah. am a personal fan of Dak Prescott. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see Mike McCarthy do well. Uh, yeah, But we talk about you know, time and game management. He's just he's very, very poor at it. Uh, and, you know, the players on the field, uh, you know, they just they, you hate to use the word choke. Uh, but when it happens time after time after time, Ooh. what other word are you going to use? Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, I can't put Dallas in my top five. Uh, number two this week for me is the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, yeah, they, they've been creeping up all year. And, you know, man, yeah, you they've take won, away. They've that, won six straight, Bob, yeah. six straight wins. Yeah, they have. And they've done it. You know, part of that without Jamar Chase. Part of that without T. Higgins, that offensive line still struggles to protect Burrow. And now they're dealing with injuries on the defensive end. But this is just such a confident team. They learned how to win last year uh, you know, in, in that trip to the Super Bowl. And now they just look confident in every single set. You're on the road against Tom Brady and you're down 17 to nothing. And this team didn't bat an eye. They just continued doing what they knew was going to start working. And lo and behold, it did. I, I love the Cincinnati Bengals team. I love watching them. He's Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Um, Philadelphia was last week's number one. They've been number one basically the majority of the year. They're 13 and one, winners of five straight. Philly maintains that spot. They do. They do. I don't see how you can go with anybody else at this point. 
Uh, you know, I know Cincinnati, San Francisco has been playing extremely well and very consistently, uh, but there's been no team more consistent than the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, you know, and you know, we knew they could run the ball. We knew they beat you up on defense. Uh, Jalen Hurts' shoulder worries me a little bit going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but if he if he ha- is healthy or gets healthy, they're showing that they can beat you with the pass. Uh, you know, the the receivers they have, the wideouts they have are athletic, but very good route runners underneath. They're getting Dallas Goddard back, the tight end. They just activated him from injured reserve today. Uh, yeah, He's one of the better tight ends in the business. Philadelphia just has all the tools in place. It's tough to, it's tough to envision them losing. Yeah. Uh, Dick Sirianni, the coach of the Eagles, confirmed today that Hertz has a sprained right shoulder, but he isn't ruling him out yet for Saturday's game against the Cowboys. Hertz, uh, he calls Hertz one of the toughest players he knows and someone who heals fast so he isn't going to put a timetable on the injury to hurts his throwing shoulder maybe he plays against dallas and then they sit him against the saints the following week that makes sense to me makes sense it does make sense because if they beat dallas they wrap up the division title uh you know and i I could be wrong i think they have a shot at wrapping up home field with a win and a little bit of help so you get that and and people have tried to tell me oh they're gonna eagles are gonna arrest everybody against new orleans because they'll have nothing to play for not true because the more new orleans loses the higher that draft pick you know philly gets Uh, but you're still not going to take any chances with a guy that's nicked up like jalen hurts uh getting a higher draft pick is one thing uh, but losing your star quarterback and MVP candidate for the playoff run, that's something completely different. So, you know, if they're going to rush Hurts back to action, I definitely look for it, for it to be this week uh, in a more important game and a more meaningful matchup yeah. against Dallas than it would be uh, either of the following two weeks. So Bob Rose's top five at number five, Kansas City, number four, Buffalo, number three, San Francisco, number two, Cincinnati. Number one, Philadelphia. Still no love for the 11 and three Minnesota Vikings. But when you look at them, have you ever seen a team with an 11 and three record score 351 points and allow 349? A plus two. As comparison, if you take the Kansas City Chiefs with the same 11 and three record, they're plus 92. Mm-hmm. How do you explain the Vikings plus two being 11 and three? I, you know, and you know, we talk about the Vikings a lot, uh, you, you and I do. Uh, I think you and I, you, both of us are just waiting for them to fall. Uh, I, I, I'm impressed by what they've done. Anytime you come back and they have been able to do so seemingly week after week, that shows a ton of character. Uh, but you know, it, it's the way they're falling behind. And you know, like you said, you know, when they've lost, they've gotten blown out of the water. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of these times, they're just not going to have what it takes to come back. The teams that they have come back against them, for the most part, either flatly weren't very good uh, or you know, had all kinds of you know, flaws on their own roster. Minnesota doesn't come out of the gate strong against a playoff contender like we saw with Dallas a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, then they're, they're just going to be unable to come back. Uh, you know, again, you know, I, I like what the Vikings have done. I like what they're building, but they just have they have first round upset written all over. them. OK, Saints Browns Saturday Browns favored two and a half. Thirty one and a half is the over under two anemic offenses. Going in the cold, maybe snow everywhere. The wind will be a factor. 
who's got the better running game, who's got the better defense. That's that's what wins. Who who wins it? I don't know. Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We know that the Saints have the personnel to stop the run. They just haven't done it. And that has to terrify the heck out of you if you're a Saints fan. Uh, you know, I think the Saints offense has a chance to move the ball if we see if the weather is what it's supposed to be. If we see a heavy dose of Taysom Hill, uh, you know, that might open things up uh, you know, for some off tackle plays, depending on the footing for Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take smart offensive play calling and it's going to take this is a real gut check for the saints defense if this team this team has any realistic shot for the nfc south they have to beat the cleveland browns and what we say about cleveland before they want to beat you up new orleans cam jordan to mario davis etc you know and and company you guys are going to have to come to play show us what you got but the real uh, realistically jordy i think cleveland comes out of here with a close win Gillikin and Lutz better play well. Yeah. <laughs> they better do their part because I think they're going to have plenty of opportunities, particularly Gillikin. Uh, we shall see. Uh, mm-hmm. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, to you and your family. Merry Christmas. Thank you and so much you. for your time. Uh, we'll talk next week and see if the Saints are still staying alive or not. But thank uh, you. Merry Christmas to you and your family, Jordy. Thank you for if everything. You go to, thank if you, you go to Cleveland, if you go to Cleveland, make sure you can get back in time, okay? Make sure. I will. There's no way in heck. I, I will hit your. I, I will uh, take a rope and John throw Candy, it planes, tra- play. Pl- planes, trains, and automobiles and right. buses. And okay, that's what I'm talking about. Safe travels. Thank you, sir. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas. We will be. That's Bob Rose, Saint Sue's Network. We'll be back after this. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Helpful holiday tip number 48. Before you light a roaring holiday fire, make sure the flue is open. Having your house filled with smoke and the fire department dropping by is not cheerful. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The jingle bell, jingle bell. All right, time to get on out of here on this uh, Tuesday edition. Thanks to Mike Scarborough, Cody Juno, Matthew Bruni, and Bob Rose. If today is your birthday, December 20th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours. Well, what a soccer player for France. Kylian Mbappe is 24 years young, coming off of a three-goal performance in the World Cup finale, but France was the on the short end of the stick against Argentina. Tomorrow, signing day, um, Mike Higgeden will join us. We'll have a fun, fun day. James, thank you so much. All of you listening, thank you. Our partners, we couldn't do without you. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. Have a great rest of your Tuesday.